0: welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Gotta start this very special episode by simply wishing all of you listeners a very happy Thanksgiving. Good Thursday to you. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I'm your host, Dan Bespris, and it is Thanksgiving. So we've got a couple of things to take care of. Thing number one, yesterday's gigantic set of box scores. And thing number two, what are we thankful for? In no particular order. And in fact, I think I'm going to flip them. I think I'm going to flip them. So this year, before I even introduce you guys to what's going on here on the show, I just want to thank you all for listening and making this unquestionably the biggest 365 most recent days in the history of fantasy NBA today. I want to thank you all for following on Twitter, for making that actually kind of crazy that 14,000-plus people seem to care what I'm putting out on social media. It is... Uh, it, you know, fantasy sports is kind of a, a niche industry, so when folks are like, oh, Dan, you're a podcast host, I'm like, yeah, I mean, you know, fantasy sports podcast host. <laughs> but it is ultimately very very cool. I am, I'm struck weekly by, uh, the fact that, that folks care what I have to say. And it is like, I, NBA players are always talking about how they feel humbled by it. I don't think that's the right word. I think it's just really flattering. It's cool. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to deny that it's, it's fun to have a little bit of sway in whatever weirdo little industry we're working in. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you for making this my day-to-day. It's fun, it's exciting, and I hope we can keep on winning. So I am very grateful for all of you guys out there. Really do appreciate everything you've done. Uh, Thank you to those that continue to rate and review the podcast. If you have a moment here on Thanksgiving, that's something I can be thankful for. Please do rate and review on iTunes in particular, Fantasy NBA Today. Open the podcast app or iTunes on a computer, but probably on mobile. Open the podcast app on your mobile device. Search for Fantasy NBA today. Don't just... Because you're already in there possibly listening to the show right now. you got to go to the search button, type in the name of the show, click on the show title, and then you scroll down there. It doesn't let you do it when you're just like in the shows that you're already listening to. It's so dumb. That's where it should be. Because then it's folks that are active listeners of the show. I don't get it. Apple, please explain how that makes any sense to me. What? Well, whatever. Uh, let's do this one kind of quick. It's a little bit of a lightning round today because everybody's got Thanksgiving stuff going on. Football's already on the television. You guys are probably not even really paying attention to basketball at the moment, but I'll sort of pull back to what we talked about yesterday. This is your opportunity to get a leg up it's a day like today. No basketball games. Everybody's going to just be like, Oh, whatever. And you, not you, you're hunting, you're diving, you're grabbing, you're making your moves today. You're not waiting for tomorrow when everybody's starting to pay a little more attention again. Although, I admit, today all the way through the rest of the weekend, folks are not going to be particularly tuned in on this stuff. All right, let's head back to yesterday. Minnesota beat Indiana 115-101, and there were very few surprises in this game. Jalen Smith continues to be droppable. I don't know why folks are fighting me on this one anymore. Look, I'm, I'm the first person to say I thought he was going to have a better season but 42% from the field, 69% at the free throw line, and just not doing things anymore. He is one not decent game from being outside the top 200. We wouldn't be having this conversation on anyone else. There are almost no other players in fantasy sports outside the top 200 where there's a big argument happening about where they should be rostered or not. It's just not happening. It has to do with the fact that he was drafted in, like, the eighth round. So everybody feels this connection to him. And I kind of get that. But outside the top 200 people, some of the worst seasons that folks are having right now, like Terry Rozier just shooting the bottom out of a, a barrel uh, inside the top 200. Josh Giddey's at 182. Jabari Smith Jr. in Houston, 195. With all of these guys, I see it going back and forth on the internet. Should I, should I bother, should I, well, not Rozier, obviously, but a lot of these other ones, should I bother holding on to this guy? What should I do? The only one where I've said, I think this guy can probably get dumped, and I get this massive pushback is, is Jalen Smith. And I think it's because myself, many other analysts, I wasn't alone, thought he was going to have a really good season. So this dude's going in the 80s and 90s in drafts. You're like, all right, I'll cast him off, but it's not the end of the world. You know, Colin Sexton went in the 90s. People have been very happy to drop him. That's been a pretty easy decision. People are asking whether or not they should drop Herb Jones. I mean, there's a lot of like Keegan Murray, Christian Wood, who was going earlier than that, Sadiq Bay, all of these guys, should I drop them? But for some reason, with Jalen Smith, nobody's willing to do it. It's okay. I got it wrong. A lot of folks got it wrong. If it comes around, it ain't happening soon It's going to be a minute, and that's okay. Let's move on. Uh, Really no surprises at all out of Cleveland-Portland, so that's one of those lovely ones we can just skate right on through. Kevin Love did not play. It didn't really make any difference in the outcome. Uh, Justice Winslow got the start here, played 28 minutes, but his fantasy game is somewhat limited. I know he gets assists and rebounds and, and steals sometimes, but we know from a long, long run of experience that He needs just a truckload of usage to counterbalance his bad percentages and sort of generally low-scoring ability over the course of a game, and that's not happening on this team. Not without a bunch more guys missing time. So let's just keep moving. Philly lost in Charlotte. They they put up a pretty good fight in this ballgame. D'Anthony Melton, another huge one. Uh, Shake Milton, another solid one. Those guys are going to be great as long as for Melton... Now that he's settled into the starting lineup a little bit more. Now, obviously, with Embiid out, that's created a, a big usage vacuum where everybody's going to get a truckload of shots. Tyrese Max is out for a few more games. James Harden's out for a few more games. Paul Reed and Montrez Harrell each actually had decent lines in this one. We don't know when Embiid is coming back, which makes me a little bit hesitant to recommend grabbing either of those two guys. Reed would be the two I'd, uh, the one of the two that I would look at, if either. But really, you're rolling Melton, you're rolling Milton. Um, I'm curious if Shake Milton would get enough when Embiid comes back because his fantasy game is not quite as robust. But I'm inclined to think the answer is probably because this line, there's a lot of room underneath this Shake Milton line where he would still be on the right side of the cut marker. Over on the Charlotte side, Dennis Smith Jr. turned an ankle, so his stream ended before it even began. That's annoying. Uh, most likely you can throw him back into the the pond although you know maybe it turns out it wasn't as bad as initially thought so you could wait until tomorrow find out get a status report on him and then if it's bad you'd you'd dump it uh Gordon Hayward I mean he's had a weird season Hayward high turnovers weirdly low free throw percent has sort of mucked up what's otherwise been an okay start to the year this is this is a bad one I think. I'm leaning towards putting him on a bench right now. I don't think that you need to start Hayward and Roto. Head-to-head, you can just sort of roll with it and hope that things sort themselves out. Charlotte's just a little bit of a mess. Rozier can't shoot. Hayward can't hit free throws. Everybody's turning it over. They need point guards there, like a hole in the head. They Mason Plumlee was a little bit better in this game, but he screwed it up with bad free throws and not a ton of defensive stats. Nick Richards was a little better in this game and blah, blah, blah. Whatever, you know, a lot of noise in Charlotte. You're starting P.J. Washington. You're starting Kelly Oubre since he's got it going. You're starting Rozier even with his bad start. You're benching Gordon Hayward. And Dennis Smith Jr., you're waiting to see if he's healthy enough to go. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter. And suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Darren Fox finally had a slowdown game. Um, You know, it didn't do much to knock him off his pedestal. He went from, I think, number 13 to number 18 because of this one. It's harder to move distances when you're up near the top of the board. He's been so good for so long. Although we did talk about it on yesterday's pod, the sell moment was there because dude wasn't going to shoot 56% and 84% for the season. Now it's at 54 and 81 that will likely continue for him because we've got a large body of work to suggest that 55 and 84 just wasn't coming. The other stuff with Fox, potentially he could keep that up. Mid-20s and scoring, six assists or more. The steals have always been kind of decent for him. So that's not stuff that you think is going to drop off. The other stuff, yes. turnovers likely to go up. Percentage is likely to go down. How far does that drop him? Well, you know, one or two more bad games. He's probably into the mid-20s. Late 20s, early 30s. So I think if you could trade him for anything in that range, I would consider doing it. Harrison Barnes also had a little bit of a slowdown. He's been really good lately, though. Usage, I still would love to see his usage get a little bit higher, but he's been so efficient lately that I guess you can kind of still roll with it. Whatever. Boston beat Dallas. Uh, Al Horford, after a game where he hit zero shots, he hit all of his shots. Back and forth it goes. Everything else, relatively expected. A healthy Celtics team means there just sort of wasn't enough there for Derek White. It was close. He played 29 minutes. That's the good news. But only nine shots, no defensive stats. I don't think that's enough for me to drop a Roto games cap on him. Head to head side, you could probably keep him because we we already heard that Marcus Smart is going to be taking some games off this year. Brogdon is always hurt. So there's a really nice path for White to have a bunch of good games mixed in. On the roto side, you can probably just sort of pick up and drop as those things happen. Head-to-head, you could probably just ride him all year as kind of a, I don't want to say, late-round plotter, but that's kind of what he would be in that particular instance. Miami still very dinged up, although they did get Tyler Hero back, lost Max Struess for this ballgame. Kyle Lowry, man, he's been chugging along. Caleb Martin, really nice ball game. I, I know it's because everybody's out. But it is good to see Martin up at number 103 in 9-cat now. He's he's a 9-cat startable guy, certainly while pretty much anybody is missing. Um, it's a little tougher for him when only one guy is out right now, Butler and Struis being out. That's created this big avenue for Martin. He's a He's an excellent streamer when two players are out. When one player is out, he's kind of right on the cusp. And then when the team's fully healthy, there's sort of not enough for him to do in those particular games. And that's kind of the way you play most of these guys, where Struis, you probably need one guy out. Martin, you probably need two guys out. Might even have three. Yeah, Gabe Vincent was out. Oh, no, he was in for this ballgame. He just didn't play very much. Over on the Washington side, they also had a bunch of dudes out. Beal, Monte Morris, Rui Hachimura all sat this one out. Porzingis wasn't good, and that's kind of most likely why they lost the ballgame. Kuzma was excellent. He took 27 shots. That's a crazy, crazy number. It's too many, frankly, but whatever. Uh, not going to buy in on the Will Barton thing. If all of those guys miss the next ball game, the players you're looking at are Denny Avdia and Corey Kispert. Now, Kispert only got eight shots up. The hope would be that if he plays 39 minutes again, he'd get more than eight shots. And frankly, it's just not okay that he didn't. But, you know, teammates weren't really getting him open. Avdia was able to do more because his fantasy game is a little bit more well-rounded. My thought going into this one was that Kispert would get 13, 14 shots, so he was the direction I leaned, getting, you know, three, four, three-pointers even. But as it turned out, he didn't get enough looks. Avdio was the guy. Also didn't get many looks, but he can rebound, he can pass a little steals and blocks, stuff like that. If all three of those guys are out again, you could probably start both of those dudes because they played 39 and 41 minutes, respectively. And, and frankly, almost anyone in the NBA playing 40 minutes is worth a fantasy, fantasy start. Almost Brooklyn beat the beat up Raptors. one twelve ninety eight 98 behind Royce O'Neal's big bug. Now Kyrie had 29 and the Brooklyn full starting five is a go right now. Durant had a little bit of a slowdown in this one. Luckily he always floats his, his game with rebounds, assists, blocks, threes, percentages, stuff like that. So even the bad ones for KD are still really not all that bad. Um, Ben Simmons is the buzziest name in fantasy. I still think if you can get a top 30, top 40 guy for him, you do it. Because at some point, he's going to have two or three bad ones, and then the shine's going to come off. Not that he's not going to have a good rest of the season. I just, like, once the shine comes off, then people start to realize, okay, so, like, this is where he's going to settle. We haven't hit that point yet. People haven't yet realized where he will settle at the end of all of this. Right now, people are like, oh, this is just Ben Simmons. He's just going to be a top 20 guy the rest of the year. And we know that's not the case. Because at some point, he's going to go four for 11 at the free throw line with six turnovers. And at some point, he's going to have a game where it's like seven boards and seven assists with one steal and doesn't score. And it'll all level off. The good with the bad. That's what happens with all of these guys. But right now, it's happening in a really pronounced way with Simmons. On the Toronto side, as long as Dad Young is starting... I'm starting Thad Young. Another really nice ball game for him. Boucher could not shoot to save his butt, but 16 rebounds, a steal, and a block, and eight of eight at the free throw line kind of painted over that. I don't like Malachi Flynn. I said that to somebody on social media because his percentages are notoriously rough. Gary Trent missed a golden opportunity to get back in the team's good graces because he missed everything. He was throwing at the up at the rim, but he did at least get his three steals, so that's something. Uh, and now we wait and find out who plays in Toronto's next ballgame. My hope is that enough guys are out that Thad can keep starting. Nice win for the Chicago Bulls over the Milwaukee Bucks. Really no fantasy notes in this ballgame. Giannis had eight turnovers. At least he made six out of nine free throws in this one. No defensive stats for Giannis either. Brooke Lopez just keeps trucking along. Funniest story of the year. Brooke Lopez is number 19. 19! He's certainly the highest ranked player drafted outside the top one hundred this year. I don't think anybody's close. I don't know of anybody else inside the top fifty that was drafted as Luis Lopez, but he's just he's cooking everybody right now. missed a couple free throws whatever, whatever uh yeah, nothing, really nothing on either side in this ball game. Cool, and nothing really on the New Orleans San Antonio side either. This was another blowout loss for the Spurs. They're in free fall right now. Not that we didn't necessarily learn anything, just that there weren't, like, add-drop moves to make. And I know what you're thinking. Dan, stuff did happen in this game. Don't worry, we're talking about it. JV got off to a huge start, and so that bought him a few extra minutes. But also, the question I'm sure most of you are asking is, what happened to Larry Nance? What happened to Larry Nance is that he closes ball games that are competitive. This one wasn't. So instead of getting his last six minutes on the court to finish out the ball game, Nance only got 16.5 minutes overall. He was not particularly busy during the time he was on the floor, and that'll happen from time to time, which is why in a ballgame like this one, you really need him to get his full complement of minutes, which has generally been around 22 when the team is fully healthy, and that's actually generally been enough. Now, when one player is out in the front court, that usually helps him, whether it's Zion or Valanchunas or whatever. Trey Murphy was out for this one, but that doesn't really quite do it the same way. But Nance has been good enough even with everybody in, provided they need him. And in this one, they didn't need him. Meanwhile, Herb Jones is a tough one. Um, I don't have Herb anywhere, which tends to make it harder for me to, like, give you a good piece of advice on what to do with him. I have precisely zero Herb Joneses. I just... I looked at that team and I was like, all right, so the best case scenario here for this dude is get is he gets two steals a ball game but he basically doesn't get to shoot the ball cuz he's in a a starting 5 with Valanciunas, Zion, Brandon Ingram, typically CJ McCollum. Add doesn't leave a whole lot else. And this one no McCollum, Jose Alvarado by the way, a very interesting stream if McCollum misses any more ball games. I don't think he will, but you never know. And then with Herb, like Healthy or not, he was always set to be a steals specialist this year. Which, mind you, hasn't really come. He's only at 1.1 steals per game. But also, the minutes are at 28 and lower in this ballgame. And they don't have to play him in every ballgame. He was, by the way, a similar victim where like they didn't need his defense in this one because they just beat the crap out of the Spurs and didn't have to look back. I think if you can, you should hang on a little bit longer, but again, I don't have him on my roster, so I don't actually, I can't feel the frustration quite the way that many of you could, that have him. I think you could probably drop, and I don't think someone would immediately pick him up, which is usually the barometer of like, all right, well, if I cast this guy into the ocean, do I lose him forever? And the answer here is probably not. Meanwhile, the big story on the Spurs side is our guy Keldon Johnson is mired in a ridiculous slump right now, and he's fallen outside the top 120 thanks to now shooting 42% from the field overall. Yikes. He's fallen right off a cliff. Um, It's a buy low by all accounts. He was better, I think, fantasy-wise when he was playing power forward because not all of his shots were three-pointers. He was able to get in there and get a few rebounds. That hasn't really happened this year but he's been able to take care of it with a ton of three-pointers and just a a ton of scoring and, like, a steal per ball game, and that's generally been enough. But this shooting slump is crazy. I don't know what it would take to get him because everybody saw Keldon run top 50 for the first two weeks of the season. Now those folks that don't have him on the roster probably haven't even noticed how bad it's been lately for him. Uh, But those of you that have Keldon, you probably do. So if somebody offered you, like, Alexei Pokushevsky, you might take it. Meaning if you have one of these guys, if you've got somebody who's hovering in that 75 range, you might be able to pull this thing off. And I'm not talking about 75 on the way up. I'm talking about 75 and just sort of stuck. I don't know exactly who that is. I'm looking at the board. Maybe Marcus Smart might get it done. Kind of a boring name, but everybody knows that there's a nice floor to it. Uh, Wagner Conley, if he wasn't hurt, would have been a good one. Jaden McDaniels, Bobby Portis, Kelly Olenek. These are guys that you could probably get him for. Denver took uh, overtime, but they did beat Oklahoma City. Nikola Jokic, yikes. That's a big one. Bruce Brown, also a big one. Aaron Gordon had a big one. But, of course, when half a team is out, you just sort of start everybody that's left. No Jamal Murray, no Michael Porter Jr., no Bones Highland for Denver in this one. So pretty much you can throw out the data here, other than to say, look, if one player is out, it typically means good things for Bruce Brown. Unless I think that one player is Jamal Murray. That's where you're like, okay, so Bones is going to be the guy that gets it. But there was no Bones here. And then you also had a, a a wing out in MPJ, who's kind of been the team's small forward throughout. And Bruce Brown can pretty much play every position on the floor, Including center when they've asked him to, which maybe except point guard, and he kind of was the point guard in this one besides Jokic. So, you know, Brown slots into that mold we've been talking about of players that just, they just need any one guy in the starting lineup to be out, and they move across the cut line. Certainly when three players are out, well, you see what happens. Triple, double, and a big one. On the other side, Alexei Pokushevsky looks good. 13 points, three assists, a steal, three blocks. Just go ahead and fire him up. And then you've got the, the roulette wheel everywhere else. Isaiah Joe was a winner yesterday. Jeremiah Robinson Earl was a winner yesterday. Jalen Williams was a meh kinda winner yesterday. And you just leave him alone. You can keep him on your watch list if you want. Just sort of check in on OKC every night. Find out if any of those guys is getting minutes for three, four, five consecutive ball games, and then. Make your move. But you're going to be missing out on all that much anyway. Detroit beat Utah. This was kind of a surprise. Killian Hayes hurt his calf midway through this ballgame, and that probably means more Corey Joseph. Yikes. Nope. Pass. Marvin Bagley had a better ballgame, but he only played 21 minutes, which actually is a really good piece of data on Jalen Duran. Now, Isaiah Stewart is not that far away, but if Duran is out there getting the lion's share of center minutes, which he did in this one, 27-21. He won that center minute battle. 27 minutes is more than enough for Duran. I know he didn't score a ton, but seven boards, two steals, and two blocks. That'll get the job done, kind of regardless of what else you're doing. Duran is real close. If he's not there, he's really close. Malik Beasley, outstanding stream, 29-11-5 with eight three-pointers. He was right on the cusp... When the team was mostly healthy. And then the lock of Mike Conley just made this one a, a pretty easy call. Uh, Kelly Olenek still rolling. Jordan Clarkson still going. Walker Kessler got 21 minutes in this game. If he gets 21 minutes, he's going to block a ton of shots. That's what he did here. But I don't think that's happening most ball games. Something to keep an eye on, though. If they decide that Kessler can overtake Vanderbilt, I don't see it. At least not in the immediate future. But keep watch. And then Colin Sexton, in his second game filling in for Conley, had 17 points and 12 assists. That's a much better ball game for him. He's now 1 for 2 in his Conley fill-in games, and I think if he has one more good one, I would probably consider adding and starting. And then you also kind of have to watch the matchup here. Detroit's a very bad defensive team. Uh, and so that lent itself to a little easier scoring for Utah. They didn't guard anybody, but it was nice to see Sexton get some assists at the very least. I think you you watch him for one more game, and if somebody else goes and picks him up, that's fine. It won't it won't really cost you all that much. And then Warriors beat the Clippers 124-107. There's really just only so many absences the Clippers can take. No Kawhi, no Paul George for this one. Uh, the guys I mentioned on social once we got that news were Marcus Morris and Norman Powell. They each had decent ball games here. Uh, Marcus Morris has been pretty reliable all season up until, like, the previous two ball games. Terrence Mann also had a better game. His fantasy game comes and goes a little too much for my liking. So if indeed this is what we have again on Friday, I'll just go Marcus and Norman again. And then for the Warriors, they just, uh, you know, they piled it up. Big blowout win. Andrew Wiggins fired his way back up the board. He's back up to number 27 after he had been kind of slipping a little bit. Not slipping after this one. And uh, Steph Curry, still out in front of, believe it or not, Anthony Davis right now. Steph, kind of a middling game. That battle for the top spot, man, you can't have a middling game or you're going to lose ground. In any event. Uh, And that's your kind of semi-lightning round from Wednesday. I know we don't have a ton of time today, so I'll just remind you guys again to please, if you have a moment, throw that five-star review on the pod. I will be extremely grateful on this Thanksgiving day. If you do it, our partners, big thank you on Thanksgiving to our partners at thrivefantasy.com. Promo code there is ethosmanscaped.com. Promo code there, ethos20. That gets you 20% off in free shipping. Over at Thrive, it gets you a sweet deposit match bonus up to 250 bucks. And finally, expressvpn.com forward slash hoopball is the special link. You get an extra three months on your one-year membership with ExpressVPN. Thank you, our partners. Thank you to Sports Ethos. Thank you to all of you. I am Dan Vespers Have a wonderful Thanksgiving day. Eat yourself into a damn coma tomorrow. We'll talk a little bit about where we are in the NBA season now, five and a half weeks in, what it means for your team, what are the moves you should be thinking about, and how you should be addressing them at this point in the year. Plus, it's a Week in Review Friday. I know. Wasn't as many games to, to deal with anyway. Although there's usually like two or three on Thursday regardless. So we'll get you set up for a weekend as well. That's all coming up on tomorrow's show. That'll be a little bit of a longer episode because uh, that'll carry you all the way into Monday. Again, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. See you tomorrow.